Hello and welcome back to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Greg B, joined today by Jacob. Hello. And we are going to be rounding out our 2018 holiday gift guide this week with a look at uh, some of the heavyweight games. These are long games, they're going to take you a while, they're going to make your brain hurt, but we love them. So that's going to be on our recommendation list today. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing. Yeah, so I've had a chance to play some things on stream and... um... And the first one was Near and Far. Right, which is sort of a, uh, a love-hate relationship for you, if a memory serves. Yeah, I love the game. I hate losing it. I got... <laughs> okay, all right. That checks out, yeah. Uh, did you lose this time? No. Hey, all right. Yeah, second time in a row that I've won. Okay, all right. So, so things are turning around. Yeah, this time I only won by five points, but I still managed to win. Okay. And, and... was this... I know... Mm-hmm. Magic is a big deal because yeah. you've been doing the Amber Mind stuff. Yeah. Was that a big uh, a big impact in this most recent game? I mean, especially because it was this close. Like the Amber Minds altogether between the magic and first of all the utility of the magic mm-hmm. really helped. And then between that and the the minds themselves, the mi- yeah. Like that, those two things gave me pretty much. I got like. Five points from the mines and two points from the no five points from from the magic as well. Okay, so it's just like you know that that's already like you know it's a little on the there. top. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, no, it was it was a very very close game. weren't sure exactly how it was going to go. I think on this one, William came in last. Oh, sure. how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, so. He he had some really good. No no no, I don't I don't, I don't remember. It was so long ago. It, Who it, was, can know? it was something along the lines of like it, it was very close between all three of us. Sure, that's good. Where, that's great. Like, you know, it, it was I barely scraped out a win, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was a lot of fun. I thought that this one like we definitely screwed each other over a few times, which was which was interesting. It was like you know we managed to like take things right before someone else did and. One of the things on this map was that there are these uh, mammoths that you need to uh, have a camp on one of the four mammoth spaces. Okay. And if you don't, you lose eight points at the end of the game. Oh, God. And that's so, just like a map-specific detail? Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. So it was one of those things where, like, uh, William got his first, then I got mine pretty close after, but Harrison didn't notice for a while. And uh, until after William started going towards the third one. Oh, no. And so... Pretty much the entirety of Harrison's like late game was getting to the last furthest mammoth space. Did he make it? He made it. All right. Yeah. No one got negative points. It was pretty good. It was it was done really well, and uh, I, I was very glad that like you know it's starting to get really close. Yeah. And, yeah, and because I remember some of the early games were just blowouts for William. Yeah. And that's never fun. No. I mean, you know, you want to have Something you want to have him. a competition of it. Well, okay, yeah, yeah sure, but. But yeah, no, and it's interesting because we also got like you know the stories of the of the uh, the characters and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. like you know at the beginning I helped out the Red King, right? I do um, remember that. So that has come back in major ways. Sure. So that's interesting because next uh, game. So not hundred percent sure if we're going to do it in January or February. Okay. We'll, we'll see uh, based on the dates because Wednesday is what uh, the second of January, so it might not happen. Right. But. Depending on that, like, we're going on to our last map. Right, so that was actually going to be my yeah. question, because I ducked out a while ago. So you guys are pretty close to the end, then? This is, this is going to be the last game coming up. Okay. 
And, All right. uh, and so, like, we actually, we know the next game we're fighting the Red King, the Ivory Queen, and one other person. All right. And so, like, we have to fight them or else, like, if, if, we, if they are still alive when the game ends, we all lose. Just straight up? Not yeah. even, like, lose points? Like, you just lose? Yeah. Wow. Because, like, that, that's the point of the game is to, get, to make sure that all of them are defeated. Interesting. So, and what about, isn't there a fourth one? Have you already defeated there, there them? There is a fourth one, but that's only if you play four players. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. So, you only have one per player, pretty much. Sure. So, it's going to be very interesting because none of us have really ever specced into... Like fighting combat, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it doesn't really matter that much because there aren't really any perks that that would have carried over that that are good for combat. The perks are mostly like almost infrastructure building, exactly, exactly. So it's really not much for that, but it'll be interesting to actually, like, you know, have us compete for like, you know, getting things to like spec for combat and that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah, and like it'll be a lot more oriented on that to make sure that we're able to get through them. So that's cool. Yeah, Um, I look forward to hearing the. uh, the climactic resolution. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun. I think I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. From a narrative context, so yeah. uh, you've also been playing some other stuff on stream. Yeah, I had a chance. We had a variety stream uh, with actually a friend of mine, Erin. Uh, she came down and we played some Karmica. Okay, stream. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. So Karmica, yeah, <laughs> Karmica was very interesting. It was um, it was fun. I don't think it works as well with two players as it does with three or four. Yeah, I could see that. Well, because you just end up screwing each other, right? Exactly. Or it's just like the biggest thing is not even screwing each other because like what it is is just that if you are playing a two-player game and someone is about to win Mm -hmm. and you don't have the exact right cards in your hand, there's nothing you can do. Sure. But if you're at least playing three players, that's two people who are like, you know, watching that one person. So there's a lot bigger chance that someone has something that can screw with them. Gotcha. So it's one of those where it's just like with more people, you just have more variety, more of the cards coming out and all that kind of thing. I think that three people is probably ideal because then you have more people, but at the same time, you still have everyone being able to interact with everyone. Right. Uh, With four players, you can't interact with the person directly across from you. So I think that it's... It's a fun game. Like the artwork on itself, like it just reaffirmed that it's like, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, super great. So that, that was a lot of fun. And then we also got to play some Raiders of North Sea. Nice. Okay, so you decided to go back to the North Sea. Not, I know you have the new one, the Architects of the West Kingdom yes. or Adventure mm-hmm. Ad- Architects. Architects. Yeah, that's Architects. right. But you went back to the North Sea. Well, the biggest thing was because like it was a game change in the middle of stream. So I wasn't going to learn a new, <laughs> learn game, a new while, game while yeah. like streaming. Here, have thirty minutes of dead air. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I mean, like it's, it's enough for me just to teach the game while while streaming. So I think it, it went really well. Uh, Aaron really liked the game, and I think it just reaffirmed that it's uh, it's just a really well done game. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, and I, I love the mechanics of uh, Raiders with the whole sort of swapping out. Mm-hmm. You know, leave one, take one. Yeah. Uh, and the workers. I think it's a really elegant sort of mechanic for moving through your turn i think that this was the first time that this happened but like we we left a number of the like lower lower tier things just there the raid sites yeah like we had at least like two or three harbor sites that were just there at the end of the game that's actually really surprising to me just because normally it's almost impossible to move into like the monasteries without going through the harbors like you have to do Mm -hmm. that in order to just build up 
Well, we just like quickly, we got to like one gray each really. And then we just started going right up after the, the bigger stuff. Huh. All um, right. And just like, you know, we I think early game, we got enough stone to or iron to to build up some of our armor. Armor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that helped a lot. Yeah. And then in general, like, it, it was it was actually really cool. We ended up with a tie at the end. No way. It was the same exact number of points. But the tiebreaker was whoever has the most so that was Valkyries, the race, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was my last turn move that got me that. Nice. Because on my last turn, pretty much, I raided one of the harbor sites that had three Valkyries. Three, yep. Yep. And just like, you know, it was like, boom, 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 you three die. And then like, you know, get all the way up to the top of the track for the Valkyries. Yep. And that's that, a good way to do it. That literally just like gave me the win at the very last moment. Clutch. Um, Love it, it came in clutch and it was, it was, it was good. I think we both really liked it. It was like at the very end, it was like the tension of just like, wait, who's, who's got that extra point? Who's, who, who can do it? Who can pull it out? Yeah. And then it's just like tied. Oh no. What's the tiebreaker? Oh, the Valkyries. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's super cool. So that's good. Yeah. It, it was a good game. And uh, I mean, I, I really enjoy bringing that one to table and right. it's actually, um, Aaron brought it up that it's similar to another game called stone age i've been hearing things about stone age uh mm-hmm. i've seen people lots of people on the internet who really like it yeah. i've never played it and i don't think you have either no i haven't but uh, it, it was on one of the seasons of tabletop oh cool so like that's where i've heard of it and like i've, I've wanted to get my hands on it for a bit but like uh aaron was comparing a lot of the mechanics there with like just uh you know what you can do like putting things down and like uh having to invest a certain amount to get like gold and like preparation sure. and all that kind of stuff for other things so interesting um we'll yeah. have to check that one out and we'll also i i'm reminded we still have to do the the marathon stream of the mm-hmm. North Sea saga, like the whole, yeah. I don't, it starts with shipwrights or explorers. I think it's explorers and shipwrights, then raiders. Cool. Yeah. We got to do explorers, that. that then, they, then they have to build, then they, then they go raiding. That sounds super good. Yeah. I mean, another thing that I, I've totally forgot about, like it, it completely slipped my mind when we were uh, playing was that I do have expansions for uh, raiders. Oh yeah. The, the, there's two of them, right? They came I out. I think that there might even be three right now. Oh wow. So it's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I have to actually put those in. And I was like looking at them after the stream and just like, yeah, this would have been, this would be really cool. Cause like some of them add like new, uh, new cards for like, you know, the people that you can mm-hmm. get in your hand. Others like add, uh, different mechanics with the, like Jarls and like heroes and things like that. And like, hmm. um, just being able to go on quests and other things like that. So I'm looking forward to trying that. I, I haven't gotten the chance to yet, but I think that it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll have to check that out sometime. Mm -hmm. And there you have it. That's a look at what we've been playing. All right, here we go. Without further ado, it's time for the last gift guide of 2018. These are the long games, the big guns. These are the games that are going to take all afternoon, if not longer. And they're really the ones that are going to just rack your brain you've got to think about the strategy you've got to think about layers and layers of mechanics and complexity but they're great they're yes yeah. they're super fun you just have to be honest about what they are and if you've got hardcore gamers in your life we think these are the games that you're going to want to get them jacob start off the list all right let's start off the list uh at dawn in the land of the rising sun hey uh so yeah rising sun is definitely one of those games that uh for any miniatures enthusiast this is the game for them absolutely like i have a decent number of miniatures games 
I don't think I've seen sculpts as beautiful as the ones in Rising Sun ever. No. And the artwork is great. And the gameplay is surprisingly not hack and slashy, thrashy kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, it, it's definitely a lot more of like, you know, area control. Like you're, you're very strategic. You're not like almost like building an army and then going out. Like you have to like, you know, just move yours. It ebbs and flows and it has a really nice just uh, rhythm to it almost in the gameplay. Yeah, the combat's really interesting because it's not mass battles it's very precise you yeah. know you've got to you got to pick your battles you got to know what your objectives are going into the season uh it's very careful combat exactly exactly and then like you have all the things that come out like that you can recruit and all that kind of stuff and like you have to decide what you want to do that when uh like you ally with other people and like why you would do that whether or not you're going to betray them there there's some really deep thinking in in the game and it can take a very long time. Uh, in our review, we mentioned that, you know, it says up to like, you know, 120, 90 to 120 minutes on the box. That's a that lie. is a complete bald face lie. Um, <laughs> like it takes at least two hours, if not like, you know, three, three and a half, most likely. Yeah. So it takes a while and uh, it's not a bad thing. I think that it's it really works for the game. This is a game that even though it takes that long, I don't think that it feels that long. Mm-hmm. Because like you get into it, you're always doing something. You're always like every single person's action. You still get to do something else, right? Yeah, the action um, selection mechanic is very good. Yeah, so it's 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 just really well done, and I definitely highly recommend it for someone who likes miniatures, likes territory control, or likes Japan. Yeah, all good things. Yeah, yep. definitely all checkboxes hit by that game. Next up on the list, I'm going to talk about one that I have really enjoyed and that I love sort of the design story behind. It's Nemo's War. Nemo's mm-hmm. War is a game that started life as a solo game. Yeah. And then later on, they tacked on a co-op mode mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of vice versa. You know, what usually happens, it's like, oh, there's a co-op game. Let's do a single player version. No, this one was designed from the ground up as a solo experience. And I played it as such. And I, I loved it. It was great. So much going on. You're basically playing through the story of, well, sort of, playing through the story of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but with some some tweaks. So you've got Captain Nemo and the crew of the Nautilus, and you've got all of these things that you have to manage. You've got, you know, you're trying to find treasures at the bottom of the ocean. You're trying to manage to keep your crew healthy and Nemo sane and your ship seaworthy, basically. Mm-hmm. But you've also got these objectives essentially that you lay out at the beginning that determine how you score points and these are basically your agendas so you can have one that's anti-imperialism or you can have one that is just research like scientific progress basically and those are going to change the things that you do so you know in the scientific one you don't really get all that many points for sinking ships you still have to do it because you need salvage in order to upgrade yourself but you're going to focus more on finding new exciting things at the bottom of the ocean, undiscovered, you know, whatever's. Whereas with the anti-imperialism one, you're going to be sinking warships left and right. So it really dramatically changes how the game is played. You've got layers and layers of complexity that are modeled there. I know that in the co-op version, you have essentially other crew members, each Mm -hmm. of whom has sort of a distinct role that they can take on. I haven't explored it too much, but if you have a friend who is a really avid gamer who maybe, like me, doesn't get to bring their own stuff to table very often, they are totally down to play solo games, you cannot go wrong with Nemo's War. Yeah, there you go. 
From Nemo's War, uh, let's go ahead and go for another exploration game. And this one is one that I spent quite a bit of t uh, time talking about in what we've been playing, Near and Far. So Near and Far, it came out in 2017, but uh, Amber Mines came out this year, and I think that those two have to be a matching set. Yeah, from everything you've said, they go so well together. Yeah, I think, honestly, Amber Mines just makes the game a lot better than it already is. Like it, It's a pretty interesting game to start out with, but then you add all these other things and makes some of the more boring things like the mines in uh, near and far just regularly like, that makes them actually interesting it gives you a little bit more reason to go into town and do some other of the other things it gives you like the magic that that gives you like these one-time bonuses until you like, go back to town kind of thing and i think that the two of them together really really make a great combo and a great game so I highly recommend it. I've been really enjoying playing through it all the way from uh, scenario one. And you can play through it campaign mode like we did, or you can also play through it character mode uh, mm -hmm. or even arcade mode with none of the um, the story. So it's like it's got a lot of versatile modes. So definitely a good game, especially if you like if you have someone who likes some of the story aspects of board games and like almost a partially role play kind of experience based on like you know which things you choose you're choosing a little bit based on what you have but also like you know you're building based on what you like mm -hmm. so uh it definitely adds a lot to that and the world is great the art is amazing and i really like all the different maps and how they have slightly different layouts slightly different uh scenarios that are pretty much matched by uh, to like whatever locations they are and that kind of stuff so right a lot of flavor there i obviously haven't been playing but i would love to get back in for some of the the character mode that sounds really fun really interesting story going on there yeah exactly so near and far definitely recommended next on the list is the only game i think on the list that we could really truly classify as a euro this is our only worker placement game in the traditional sense it's keeper mm -hmm. so this is part of the key franchise series of games key flower you may have heard of things like that but keeper is the latest installment and I think that this game is really fantastic and really interesting. You've got lots of sort of traditional worker placement elements. You're gathering resources. You're trying to balance almost a point salad situation. But they've got lots of really interesting mechanics that they've added in here. So you've got modular player boards. They're literally like the little fortune teller things that you yeah, fold up yeah, in yeah. elementary school. It's almost like that, where you can change the, what the board shows from season to season. So you've got, you know, in the early turns, you're mostly looking at livestock, whereas in the later turns, you're mostly looking at gems and other sort of rarer tiles like that. Um, so this evolving situation unfolding, or folding as the case may be, <laughs> uh, situation is a really good way to keep things fresh, keep things dynamic. They've also got a really great follow mechanic. You essentially can turn down your own pieces whenever mm -hmm. someone activates a a location so it's got a great way to avoid that sort of dead period that sometimes happens with euros yeah. i feel like where you're just waiting for other people to take their turn you're always thinking about okay well what are other people doing so that i can look to follow that action so uh if you like euros and you're looking for some innovation in the space keeper is a great game to pick up definitely rates the list yeah and then back in, delving into the dungeons hey so, we love the dungeons. Yeah, and this one is in a game that is probably on a lot of people's lists because, well, it's number one on BGG, yep. and that is Gloomhaven. So for anyone who loves dungeon crawls and that type of game, 
Gloomhaven is a pretty great one in general. They they do a great job of the whole advancement and how you're able to like meld your characters to what you want and that kind of thing. And I mean, we've never had a blowout, I don't think, in Gloomhaven either way. It's always been at least decently close. Mm, I feel like we got stomped a couple of times, but that might just be my my. I mean, I think that it was it was like it was just really close a few times, but like it, uh, by the end we knew we were getting stomped. But like True. it was it was like had we had like three other turns, we probably would have won. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that just speaks to how well the game is calibrated. Exactly, you know, it's always right down to the wire. It's always very close. Exactly, it's got a really good the tense gameplay pretty much every single time. Uh, the mechanics are really interesting. I think that the having the cards be the driver of everything and not really having any kind of dice rolls and just the decks that you can actually customize to like customize your um, uh, your probability of like doing well or doing badly. Great mechanic. It, it really helps. And I think that for a campaign kind of game, if you have someone who likes a dungeon crawler and wants to do a campaign, this would be the game for them. Yeah, totally agree. Next on the list, Path of Light and Shadow is a game that haven't, we haven't talked about it in a while, but I still really enjoy. I know Leslie would give me uh, give me crap for putting it on this list. Yep. But I do really love it. I think Path of Light and Shadow is a fantastic game. You've got this really fascinating mashup of territory control and deck building, um, and also throwing in some other sort of almost RPG elements. You know, you're you're upgrading your empire. You're looking for ways to make your deck more custom tailored to what it is that you're trying to do. So. Path of Light and Shadow, I think, has a lot of really great mechanics that meld with the flavor. You know, this whole idea that you're conscripting an army and either, you know, calling people out of it to get, uh, lose morality or adding, you know, being merciful, sparing people's lives, adding them to your to your deck in order to gain mercy, I think is a really interesting and integrated way to sort of represent those mechanics. I think that anyone who likes deck builders... You know, I came up on Dominion, I've really enjoyed Ascension, Mystic Veil, all those sorts of things. Anyone who likes some of that core gameplay, but you think might be interested in branching out, Path of Light and Shadow, I think is a great way to do that. Definitely check it out this holiday season. Another game that uh, we played on stream, actually, is on our list, and that one is Pandemic Legacy Season 2. And so this game, as you may know, is Pandemic, except turned on its head in a lot of ways right and i absolutely love that about this game i think that it is really well done turning the the mechanics that add cubes and add diseases onto the board and making them instead remove supply cubes i think is a really well done way of like mixing it up i really like that and then being able to customize your, your your characters from the very beginning as you go through this adventure, trying to like you know build the best ones and all that kind of stuff. I think that that's just a, a really interesting way to play a story game because you really get invested in your character and like you start really getting into that and and it's still familiar enough for people who have played Pandemic and especially Pandemic Legacy Season One since it's a con- continuation of the story. Right. It really i think adds to it and if you have people who have played pandemic legacy season one or are just interested in this type of game i highly recommend season two yeah absolutely and pandemic legacy season two uh some of you may remember is the winner of our prestigious let's say uh meeple versus meeple competition it beat out season one so go ahead and check out that episode for the full grudge match but Mm -hmm. season two is definitely a good 
gift mm-hmm. this year. And then you'll find out why I'm talking about it and not Greg. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Last on the list for me personally, it's Spirit Island. Everybody knew this was coming. There's not, I, I can't, what do you, how do you improve on perfection? No. Um, <laughs> but really, Spirit Island is. But Greg, and, no game is perfect. I, you say that, but no. <laughs> um, no, I think Spirit Island is really, truly fantastic. Anyone who likes co-op, anyone who likes, it's almost anti-programming, where you've got the enemies who are programmed, and you know exactly what they're going to do, and you have to look to optimize your actions with a, a very narrow time frame. You know, it's a small flowchart. You're just trying to do the best you can with limited information, with limited resources, and you're trying to get ahead. And I think that the gameplay we talked about, sort of tense, carefully calibrated gameplay with uh, Gloomhaven, I think Spirit Island can be a little bit swingier, mm-hmm. but I think it every game you're going to have moments where you feel like you're getting ahead, you're going to have moments where you feel like you're falling behind, and yet when you pull it out, it's always a fantastic feeling, and you always feel like you've earned it. Infinite replayability. You've got scenarios, you've got adversaries, you've got different spirits, you've got different maps, you've got different map configurations. Uh, Spirit Island is a game that, it's just a gift that keeps on giving. I can't recommend it highly enough. It has a solo mode. It currently plays up to four. There's an expansion that's going to be coming out in 2019 that will increase that player count to six. So highly scalable. Absolutely look to get this if your gaming group is one that enjoys cooperative, difficult gameplay experiences. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this game has just done extremely well. Yeah. The last game that we'll talk about is one that's a bit of a blind recommendation, just because I have it sitting and taunting me on my shelf, (laughs) Uh, but I haven't been able to get it to table, and that is Root. And this is a game that is similar to Vast in that it pretty much has a very asymmetrical gameplay, and so it's just very, very interestingly made, and... Uh, the people that made Vast and Root, they really like to focus on this whole like balancing the asymmetry and balancing the asymmetrical win conditions and the asymmetrical play. And I mean, it's also about like, you know, forest critters like trying to vie for like, taking over the forest. And it's almost like got this Robin Hood-esque vibe yeah, where yeah, like sure. some of the critters are like the, the, the like merry men in the forest and other ones are like the sheriff's people who are trying to control it and like you know it, it it's got a very fun flavor a really cool art style and all that i've heard about the game is very very positive so uh if you're interested in something a lot more asymmetrical a lot more brain burning uh that is definitely one to take a look at yeah a bit of a blind recommendation from us but we really enjoyed vast so we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Check out Root. That's our list. That's that's it. That's the end of the holiday gift guide. So hopefully between this and the two previous installments, if you haven't listened to those, go check those out for uh, medium weight and also the sort of super light games. Going to play very quickly, relatively simple mechanics. Hopefully between the three of those, you've got some great opportunities you've got some ideas about gifts that you're going to be able to give to the gamers in your life the non-gamers in your life and uh thank you for sharing your holiday season with us thank you all for joining us for this episode of dragon's demise i hope that you enjoyed it and that it was useful for this holiday season 
First off, we'd like to thank our patrons on Patreon, especially our great worms, who are Casey, Hunter, Carissa, and Sam. Thank you all very much for giving, as well as all of the other members of the Thunder of Dragons. We love you guys. If you would like to become a member of the Thunder of Dragons and help us do what we do, uh, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash dragonsdemise and take a look at some of our rewards. We should have one of our cool behind-the-scenes videos out as this comes out. So uh, there's going to be some fun stuff there. And otherwise, you know, just thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. And the podcast is always going to be free. It's always going to be available for everybody. And as is the stream. And this week we're going to be streaming uh, Santa's Workshop. We're going to do a little bit of a holiday variety stream where we're going to be playing a worker placement game where the workers are pretty much elves. And, you know, you can do things like go into the stables and each of the reindeer gives you a different benefit and that kind of stuff. And you get to, like, be building different toys and, you know, yelling at each other for, like, which toys are better and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because so, really, what's more us than playing a silly themed holiday game? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So it's going to be a great a great time. And be sure to join us next Monday on Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate, for our recommendations for the games that uh, you can play with family members who don't really know much about hobby gaming, as we call it. Because you can compare these games to some of the games that they do know. Games like Rummy, Checkers, or chess and these other ones that of course they know and um, you can leverage that knowledge into some really fun gameplay. 